Hey everybody, it's Ben, and I'm just popping in here to tell you that my voice is going to sound a little bit weird in this show. Uh, when we were recording the episode, everything sounded fine, and then when I got done and listened to it while I was editing, my voice was like multiple octaves lower, a little bit slower, so something happened in the encoding. So I tried to fix it up, it sounds way better than it did when I started, but it's still not perfect. But hopefully you'll get through, and uh, I do apologize for the error there, uh, but hope you still enjoy the show as a whole. Election College, episode number 315, LBJ, part two. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Good. It's been like two months since we've been here in podcast land. I know. The problem is, is that we saw each other, and then we stopped talking. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to tell people we saw each other. They can just guess for themselves. Oh, it's the worst when we see each other. Then we don't record because we're busy That's seeing true. each other. Right. <laughs> like, man, you're a good-looking guy. True. true. I know that's what you're thinking. That's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> so we're here, and uh, hopefully we'll be back with a little more frequent episodes for you. Uh, but we're here at the beginning of 2020, and we've got one right now. So, quit asking. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Keep asking. We like it when you ask. <laughs> I had to escape the cold weather and... Jason turned into a snowbird. I did. I'm thinking about joining a shuffleboard tournament. That'd be... That would actually be fun, actually. There's some cranky people if they don't get the bingo room set up in time. Let me tell you. Do you have a bingo room at your campground? At the one before this one? Yes. Uh-huh. Had the big really? lit board and everything. Well, I'm jealous a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the real deal. This is like Del Boca Vista mm-hmm. meets um, Randy Quaid. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, if you are listening, you know, after the fact, it's been it's been years since this podcast came out. You won't notice a gap. But if you were listening with us every episode, every new episode every week, uh, you will notice that the last episode we finished up talking about Lyndon B. Johnson smoking cigarettes, smoking like three packs a day uh, and having a heart attack. And then he gives up smoking for a while. And that was in 1955. And we're going to jump up to 1956 or so, 19. 19- 56 to 1960 era uh where we're talking about you guessed it politics because that's i mean that's kind of what we do on this show we talk about people and presidencies and that kind of thing we're kind of like the fun politic talkers though we've had some people in the past be like you guys don't get into the meat of it enough and we're like look we're just here to like introduce people hey miss mr smith this over here is the presidency of Lyndon B. Johnson. If you'd like to know more, you should go over and listen to another podcast or read a book. We're just here to introduce you. Yeah. So LBJ. I was near his ranch last year. I didn't go. But did you know that like 
a lot of people from California like would would be now neighbors with LBJ. Like I think a third of the state of California is moving to Austin. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I did see that. A whole lot of people are moving. It's crazy. Um, I just had a friend of mine who's been there for like I don't know, a dozen years move to Richmond, Virginia actually. So totally away from from Austin, but yeah, there's a lot of people leaving the state. It's like an exodus, which mm-hmm. people could have their opinions about why that's happening. But LBJ, he's not from California. He's from Texas. Tejas. You know, a lot of people, I heard somebody whisper that today at a state park we were at. Tejas. And I was like, it means friendship. That's what Texas means. But You heard someone whisper that at a park? Yeah. Wow. People from Florida are intrigued by people from Texas, even though the people, well, the landscape at the area where I'm at in Florida right now reminds me of Texas. Right. right. Like the whole ranch thing is going on. Lots of cows. But this is not about me. This is about LBJ. (laughs) So LBJ is in the Senate and he's doing pretty well. People like him. Uh, He is certainly being considered for the Democratic presidential nomination. The... Texas delegation of the party were at the national convention in 1956 and they were like, Hey, um, we should probably put him in here so that like, we know he's probably not going to win, but that way people know his name. He can get ready for the 1960 nomination. And Johnson was like, no, I think I'll just wait. Um, I don't want to jump the gun too much, especially knowing that we got JFK right now coming around making a name for himself, and Johnson ends up waiting until 1960, where he doesn't jump into the campaign, and you probably know this is even late then, July of 1960. Can you imagine that happening today? Like, you wouldn't even be considered. No, I don't even think you'd be eligible to be on most ballots. Yeah. So, LBJ, kind of a crude guy. He's the wheeler-dealer type texas dude from the mid 20th century the kind of guy who might you know be that classic politician from the south who i don't know you might want to have on your side but there he is (laughs) wheeler dealer kind of kind of kind of a slick the slick guy he's like the uncle that you kind of wish you would have but Maybe you don't want to have daily dealings with. But then you've got your cool cousin, JFK, who's pretty polished. And, you know, he seems to be young and suave and all that good stuff. Kind of like my cousin, young and suave. Well, thank you. I've never had anyone describe me as suave, but hey, I'll take it. Well, there you are. You're suave. Yeah. All right. And and so Johnson is like, hey... This young whippersnapper, you know, he's kind of sickly, and he doesn't really take a position about Joe McCarthy, you know, the whole thing with McCarthyism. Mm-hmm. And he forms a Stop Kennedy coalition with all of the establishment Democrats, like Adelaide Stevenson and Hubert—why can't I not say Hubert Humphrey? Hubert Humphrey. Uh, but it didn't work, and— Kennedy outdoes Johnson at the DNC that year 
409 votes to 806. So JFK, he's the man for the Democrats. Yeah, and so really they're there's kind of this, uh, I don't know what the word is, tension. Yeah, there's some tension in the air because, well, word got out to Kennedy that maybe LBJ had tried to stop him and you know even created a coalition uh, called the Stop Kennedy Coalition. <laughs> um, so there's a little bit of tension there, but it doesn't take long before Kennedy realizes that he's never going to get elected if he doesn't have the support of the Southern Democrats. And a lot of them are way behind Johnson. You know, he's from the South, they're from the South. So they're really backing him while JFK is like, well, I already got the nomination. So they go ahead and offer Johnson. Kennedy offers Johnson the vice presidential nomination, which, you know, it's kind of a funny thing to offer someone to be nominated uh, on July 14th. And Johnson accepts. And then there's a lot of things that happen (laughs) between then and the actual nomination. A lot of that also has to do with Robert Kennedy getting in the mix a little bit. And there's some there's some shady stuff that happens before Johnson actually gets on the ticket. Yeah. I mean, Robert Kennedy really hated him. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you would see that play out on one party. I guess, well, maybe. <laughs> maybe you would. But Robert Kennedy really detests the guy. And um, JFK was like, nope, that's who I want to run with me. And... I mean, Kennedy, Robert Kennedy is even like, hey, how about you become like the Democratic um, Party chairman, anything but vice president? And JFK is <laughs> like, nope. So he's running for vice president. And at the same time, he's seeking a third term in the U.S. Sen- Senate. And he wins both the vice presidency and he wins the Senate again. So what happens when you win the vice presidency and the Senate? Well, you, of course, take the VP job. You resign the Senate, and that's exactly what you happens. you got to choose, and that's what I would choose, too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so Johnson is kind of concerned because he's a pretty powerful senator, and he knows that being vice president doesn't give you a whole lot of authority, but he's a wheeler dealer. So he makes sure that he increases his influence um, within the executive branch. And JFK is like, hey, buddy, yeah, you can um, you can kind of supervise things that deal with national security. And everything having to do with national security, yeah, they need to report to you. So good job, LBJ. Or, <laughs> or do a good job for me, LBJ. Yeah, there's some shadiness there because it's like, yeah, you're in charge of all this. I'm going to sign this order, but also, like, if I want to change my mind, I'm writing that in here so I can do that, too. (laughs) So, um, you know, you can understand why there would be some tension, for sure, between the two of them. A lot of people really didn't like Johnson. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious that a lot of people didn't like, like Johnson, if you're familiar with history at all, but... You know, Robert F. Kennedy, who at this time was the attorney general, obviously doesn't like him. Plenty of people think he's just crude and brusque and all that's probably pretty true. And they just don't really try to hide the fact that they don't like him, which like in politics, I think one of the biggest things you do is try to pretend like you like everybody, even when you don't. 
Uh, most people do that, so it's noticeable. But Kennedy is smart enough, or at least he has people around him who's smart enough to tell him to do this, to keep Johnson busy and keep him informed and make him not feel like he is out of the loop. So he really makes sure that he knows what's going on just to keep him happy so he's not going around talking to the press and trying to undermine JFK's stuff, which is a pretty smart move on JFK's part. And also, it does give Johnson some validity and some uh, something to work with because, as we know, many vice presidents have felt, you know, ineffective in their role. And I can understand why. Yeah. All the stuff having to do with Kennedy basically relinquishing control of uh, federal appointments, like judgeships and so on, uh, within the state of Texas. He's like, LBJ, you get to have the run of the state when it comes to that. And uh, things like the Johnson Space Center, the very fact that that exists in Texas and bears his name has a lot to do with the power that was given to him just by virtue of him being the Wheeler dealer guy. Now, I would suppose if you're a proud Texan, you would say, well, no, it's because of course the space program should be, you know, there in Texas. Well, okay, that could be an argument. But the truth is, is LBJ made it happen and Kennedy enabled it. For sure. Uh, there's some question about, or at least some rumors of questions about whether LBJ is going to be on the ticket for the presidency for JFK's second term, if he's going to be on there to be elected. And of course, Kennedy says, yeah, I'm definitely going to have him on there because he knows that it's really important to a large part of the country to have him there. And also, uh, I get the feeling the more he got to know LBJ, the more he knew he was not an enemy he wanted to have either, and uh, ostracizing him from the party would have probably done more detriment than, than help. So, uh, as we know, Johnson gets sworn in on Air Force One in Dallas uh, just a couple hours after JFK is assassinated, which we talked about, well, numerous times on the show, but especially recently in some episodes. There are a lot, and I mean, like, still today, a lot of people with conspiracy theories that LBJ had something to do with JFK's death. We're not going to get into that because the official record says that's not the case, but I do think it's important because you have to imagine that tainted the way he was perceived by people and maybe even giving him that, like, something to prove kind of mentality that we see a little bit afterwards because... You know, he's got people who, JFK is probably the most beloved president we've ever had. He's killed, and a large portion of, or a large group of people think that LBJ had something to do with it. That's going to create some animosity. Right. So, and there's a lot of people who are like, man, why did he go and do so much so quickly after the assassination? Because, I mean, well, we have all seen the picture of him getting sworn in two hours after the fact. Uh, did you know that he didn't get sworn in? He didn't have a Bible? Yeah, they couldn't find yep. a Bible, so um, President Kennedy had a, a Catholic. Is that a missal? How do you say that? Missal. I've only, I've never heard anyone say it. I've only ever read it. Uh, yeah, I've always said missal. Yeah, basically a book of liturgy. Yeah, 
so Catholic thing, and LBJ was hardly Catholic. And right, the uh, uh, he takes the oath of office, and of course, you know, we've seen that picture. But he goes like straightway to Congress to uh, you know address the the uh, Congress about how there is no way we can memorialize Kennedy better than to get the Civil Rights Bill passed. And just a week after the assassination, Johnson issues an executive order to rename the Apollo um, Launch Operations Center in Florida uh, from Cape Canaveral to the John F. Kennedy Space Center. So it was officially known as Cape Kennedy from 63 until 73. And then um, Johnson establishes the Warren Commission to investigate the assassination. Uh, another thing, Jason, to mention that is, pro- I mentioned how people were suspicious of LBJ, but there was also the fact that he was under a lot of, I mean, he, it was hard for him to go out and do anything because the Secret Service were concerned that he was the target too. Uh, you know, obviously anytime someone kills the president, you got you go next in line. It makes sense that you would really want to protect the vice president, but they were worried that there was a bigger conspiracy that would take him out especially oh, when he's away from Washington, easier to get to, I would imagine. Um, so that was all probably weighing heavily on his mind for a while after the fact as well. You mentioned some stuff about how uh, he wanted to move on quickly. The one thing he did do was he kept a lot of the Kennedy appointees uh, for the rest of his term as presidency. And just because we mentioned them, he even keeps Robert Kennedy on as attorney general, who they did not like each other, but he keeps him on. Robert Kennedy ends up leaving, though, in 1964 to run for Senate, but it was nice. It was a nice thought from LBJ, I guess. So by the time that 64 election comes, Johnson needs a good campaign slogan, right? And what he coins is a term called the Great Society. And this is something that we are feeling the ramifications, the ripple effect of Johnson's policies to this very day. And some of the central tenets around the Great Society uh, were that we want urban renewal, modern transportation, clean environment, anti-poverty, healthcare reform, crime control, as well as educational reform. Nothing new under the sun there, but he isn't necessarily going into this election as the underdog because, let's face it, it's kind of a crisis uh, that the country is still reeling from after the assassination. So Goldwater only wins Arizona and Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, and South Carolina. Everything else is Johnson. That's a big yikes. Yeah. So, uh, spring of 1964 is coming up. You know that this fall is going to be the election. And Johnson kind of knows that he's probably not going to get elected president by himself. Uh, There are a lot of things happening at this time with labor parties and contracts and stuff like that that he's in the middle of. And he really wants to make sure to firm that up. And... Robert F. Kennedy was kind of the name that everyone threw out there as maybe he could be the vice presidential running mate, but, you know, they never liked each other, and Johnson was really 
worried that Kennedy would be kind of given the credit for getting him elected uh, and was totally, totally opposed to that. Uh, so in the next episode, we'll talk about what happens after that. No, they don't, he doesn't want Kennedy. He's running for president again, but he's not sure he's going to win. We'll see next week. Ooh. Next week, that's quite a commitment from us. No, 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 no. Well, next episode. <laughs> how's that? <laughs> We're shooting for next week, but we'll, do, we'll just say next episode. We'll see. No. We'll be back. Promise. Pinky swear. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, thanks for sticking there with us. If any, you know, if anybody's still listening, thanks for keeping us in your feeds. Uh, we know that you have a lot of podcasts to listen to, and we appreciate you listening to us still, even though it's been a couple months. And yeah. uh, we, we're happy to have you around. Yeah, give us a shout out, like on Twitter or somewhere. Just let you know, to let us know. You already know. Let us know that, hey, you're still out there. We see you. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>